Oh my God, it's season five. And we're celebrating by doing this take one from the couch. So much that like, like we don't even have a computer. This is Jordan's phone. We're just like, we want to watch this movie that we're about to do. And we didn't want to get up to record a take one. Well, we, we've been sitting here for probably the good part of an hour, maybe more. Just trying to figure out what to watch and you put on a movie and i was like wait a second didn't we want to do an episode on this and then you're like yeah you want to do a take one real quick and both of us were like neither of us want to get up off the couch let's just do it on our phone <laughs> so that's the energy we're bringing into 2023 yes that is the quality that you can expect throughout season five welcome back hey there i'm jordan and i'm nick we're just two regular guys who love talking about film and now we'd like to talk to you we decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. Please hit the couch more to make it make sure they heard that. Actually, that's what Jordan's doing right now. It's gonna get cut. No, it's not. I'm editing it. I'll make it cut. Guys, we're watching Matilda. Or we're gonna. Okay, so we've already watched the musical recently. Jordan showed me the musical, and I freaking loved it. It was so cute and fun. So that's why. We're going to do an episode on the, I don't know what year this movie came out, but like the non-musical movie. Yeah. The one with like Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman and yeah. Mara Wilson? Mara Wilson? Mara Wilson, yes. I don't remember a ton about it. I have just been given sort of a refresher course by watching the musical. So I, I guess I know the outline of the story to some extent. I definitely remember liking this movie, and I figure throughout this episode we'll probably talk about both the musical and the non-musical movie that we're about to talk about. Which one are we actually doing the episode on? The so, movie we're about to watch or the movie we already watched or what? I've had the movie we're about to watch, which is the original adaptation, like for years now. I have a running list of ideas that I want to do for this podcast, and this has been on this list for a very long time. So I figured we could do it on this movie, but then maybe incorporate some stuff about the musical as well, since that just recently came out also. Sounds good. And I'm honestly looking forward to revisiting this one, because like I said, I really don't remember it that well. Something I do remember, it's like in stark opposition to how this plays out in the musical, is the Bruce scene. <laughs> the Bruce scene in this movie, I remember being like, mortifying yeah and in the musical it's like fun and exciting <laughs> and like oh my god i want cake too whereas this is gross there's a lot of this movie that i think is way darker than the musical i mean for good reason i think the musical is purposefully cute and fun. yeah but like they actually show i think matilda going into chokey at least once okay okay <laughs> <laughs> um I love this adaptation. I grew up with this adaptation. All of the actors in it are phenomenal. Uh, Matilda's adorable. Lavender's adorable. 
Lavender. Mm -hmm. It's her best friend, remember? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. With a newt. I don't think anybody in this movie is wearing a fat suit. <laughs> no, Unnecessarily I so. I don't think so. Okay. No. I think Trunchbull really is that big and... What's the word? Brawny. Brawny. <laughs> She's earthy. <laughs> and girthy. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, a big thing that Jordan holds against the musical is that Emma Thompson's Trunchbull does not live up to Trunchbull in this movie. Correct. Where you like her the most... Your, she's the hero of the story to you. She really you is. really appreciate her a lot. I do, I do. I think um, kids today, I've heard some horror stories about kids just misbehaving in school and just not caring about their education and like teachers just can't wrangle them like they used to. And I just don't think that showing kids how to rebel against their teachers is a very, I don't think that's a good idea. So to me, this is a an anti-hero story about Agatha Trunchbull, and um, it's how she became the villain, really. You are literally, you just quoted your letterbox, like, almost to a T. It's how I feel. It's how I feel. Is it just, was that rehearsed? It's my diary. It's what I think about. I look up to Agatha Trunchbull so much because, God damn it, I just hate children so much. And I think she's great. And They're revolting. <laughs> I did see the Broadway musical, and I know that that role is supposed to be played by a man. And I just don't think that Emma Thompson lived up to the role set by the original movie as well as the musical. And I just don't think she had the chops for it. And I was really disappointed. Well, and there, uh, there, her song was like one of my favorites in the musical, and it just didn't land well for me. Trunchbull is a female in this movie as well. She is, yeah. But this this was way before the musical was ever. Oh created. yeah, because that's yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So I don't remember the actress's name. I will in take two. She was horrifying. She was so scary. Yeah, she was so scary. We may or may not be able to complete this because I may get too scared. <laughs> we'll see. Just close your eyes. It's okay. But welcome to take five. No wait. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to season three of Take Five. Wrong. Welcome to Take Three of season five. Wrong. Anyway, welcome to Take Five of Jesus. Welcome to season five of Take Three, a movie podcast. Uh, we promise that future takes will not just be on the couch. Well, maybe take, say, maybe don't... take two won't will be. <laughs> But take three probably won't be. Don't make promises we can't keep. I I don't I don't want to put that out there. Yeah, but we still sound good. I think so. We I'm, tested the the sound. It sounds good. And I'm very comfy. And I'm glad that I didn't have to get up from my seat. So uh, yeah. So when you now you have two happy hosts, and we're having a good time. And I hope you watch Matilda with us. And you should watch both of them and go to Broadway real quick and go see the play as well. Just hop on over, yeah. Because we're going to talk about all three of those things. And Jordan's going to read the book too, probably. I, watch. Actually, I have already read the book. Oh. I read the book. <laughs> I read the book um, um a couple decades ago, probably. Old bitch. I know. Day two. So I have a question. What are you going to do when your child grows up without superpowers? Get rid of it. I thought so. Now, what are you going to do if your child does have superpowers? 
I would be like, whoa, where did you come from? Because I don't want children. I'd be like, how did you get here? That must be the power to spontaneously emerge. And just appear. Yeah, from nowhere. That would be horrifying. Are we recording? Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't tell me go or anything. <laughs> you just asked me this question. Yeah. You, you're holding your phone awkwardly, so I was like, maybe he's recording me. I am recording. Okay, so we just finished Matilda. To be honest with you, like I liked that movie, but they are so similar story-wise. Like aside from the performances, which obviously I really like the performances in this movie. I think everybody did a really good job. Mm-hmm. And I like these actors. This was cast really well. Other than that, I feel like this is very similar. And this one just doesn't have music. And I like the music in the other one. So I I don't know. I feel like I'm on the musical side. That makes sense. I think that's fair. I do enjoy the musical. And I think that the musical is really cute and adorable. But this one, of course, it it has sentimental value. And I think that... Nostalgia. Yeah, that means a lot. So yeah, maybe I can do research on this movie and you can cover the musical if you wanted to. How about you do it all and I just stay on the couch? Okay. We're on the couch again, everybody. We're on the couch again, but like we never left the couch. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we we recorded, watched the movie, and now are back. Like little earwigs burrowing into your ears. Ugh. Yeah. Like children? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exterminate. Uh, so the television just turned off. So now we're sitting here in the dark. It's spooky in here is what I am saying. I mean, do you want me to turn something? No, on I like so it spooky. So it's less spooky while we record. What no, do you want? I here? like it spooky. Let's, I like it spooky. Let's pick something just to have on in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what should we put on? It took me a second. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Wow, you got rid of the spookiness. I'm sorry. He turned the television back on. I could put the uh, the intro to Smile on again. Do you want to hear that? Oh my god! Okay, time we've been like sort of catching up on some movies we hadn't watched in 2022, and one of them was Smile, and it is currently available for free on. I think it was Paramount. Here, let's see. Let's play it. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't say. For some reason, the title card for the movie smile is his favorite part it's so cool it's it gives me a similar feeling to like watching the stranger things intro you know what i mean yeah but it's like two seconds long and we've watched it we've watched it the amount of times that i've seen the stranger things logo and we start we literally have only seen this movie (laughs) once yesterday i just and that's how many times we've gone back and played through this logo i just think it's i just think it should be longer that's all I don't know. I, I assume it's Amazon. You should watch it because it's good. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't call it good. I would call it fun, though. Would you agree? I wouldn't call it great, but I thought it was good. I, I had a good fair. time. I thought That's it was fair. scary in parts. I liked the performances in the film. You know what else was and scary in I parts? Thought the, I thought the design of the antagonist of the film was quite good. Yeah. So You know what else is scary in parts? you matilda oh yeah well see that was where i was going before you made it not spooky anymore (laughs) is that i kind of forgot about both of well okay obviously i didn't know that the musical was spooky but i forgot about that part in the original what part the whole like magnus coming back and being like i got to give my daughter her shit back or whatever i'm gonna get you like you got me Mm -hmm. i mean it's almost plays out like the 
like the same, just in a different location. But I was like, whoa, this is actually pretty cool. I did like the house burglary via her powers that yeah. Matilda stages yes, in iconic. this one. Yes. I prefer that. Yeah. I just really liked the music from the musical. And so I was like, so I know what's going to happen. And I don't get to hear them play music. <laughs> so I don't get to hear them sing. And- but like. Think about the music that was played in the original Matilda. That one. You know exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I don't know what. What is that song? Oh, boy. Yes, exactly. That was like, that was so, so huge. I just think that the music in this is some of the most iconic music of our childhood and growing up. Am I wrong? When I think of that song and then the, the, mm, 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 mm. What other music is in this? I mean, both of those, I think, are. (laughs) like So both of those songs. (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure. I like both of those songs. They trigger that nostalgia in my head. They hit Diffie. They do hit Diffie. You suck. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, I'm fresh on the musical, right? Like, we watched it. It was, okay, so last weekend we watched, like, little bits and pieces of it. I think we watched the first half of it. And then we finished it yesterday, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 just at different times. I think it took us a couple of watches to actually have enough time to finish it all. Mm-hmm. But the song that they sing, I don't know what it's called, when she's going into school and you were like, do you notice what's going on? And I was like, no. And he and you were like, okay, just listen to this and see if you can figure out what they're doing. And I'm listening to it and I'm paying attention as good as I can and I'm looking at what they're doing and I'm – I'm like trying my absolute hardest. Like I'm really thinking about this because I'm thinking, oh, he's going to think I'm an idiot even more than he already (laughs) does if I can't get this, right? And then the reveal happens. And if you haven't seen the musical, again, watch the musical because we're going to spoil that as well. That one's on Netflix, we know for sure. Yeah, yeah. Watch both of these with us because they're both good. It's a cute story. It turns out, this is such a weird spoiler, but it turns out that halfway through the song, you realize that they're singing the ABCs. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... It Isn't was, it great? Yeah, it's it was clever. like Luke, I am your father level of twist. <laughs> oh. We were like, oh, shit. I don't know oh, shit. <laughs> it was nuts. Very clever, very smart. They really do a good job of, even though I haven't seen the play or the, the you know the musical like formatted as a play i feel as if they did a good job of adapting that musical into a movie it still it felt very cinematic mm-hmm. whereas i feel like sometimes musical movies struggle to feel cinematic when they are adapted from musical stage. plays yeah exact stage is the word that's exactly what I'm looking for. More cinematic than even the 1996 Matilda. High budget. The choreography was dope. The choreography w- went hard. Yeah. Was the choreography like good in the play? I don't remember being blown away by the the stage production. I can almost guarantee that it, it was not as like aggressive and in your face as the movie musical one was. 
Yeah, so very impressive. So talented. These these kids, they were like, okay, we need like three hundred triple threats. Ah <laughs> oh, man, it makes me like the original the nineteen ninety six one less. That's a bummer. I'm sorry I, that that happened to you. No, it's okay. I am a, I am happy that uh, I. I don't know why I didn't know that Danny DeVito directed that one. Mm -hmm. That was cool. And he obviously narrates it, which is a little jarring considering like he's narrating (laughs) it. And then like he's narrating his own character being like an asshole. But the narrator who is also him is like nice. I did notice that too. And I've noticed that even sometimes after he's done narrating immediately after like the next line will be something that the dad says. Yeah. Which is exactly. Exactly. I was like, whoa, okay. But I mean, it's, can't be it's slapstick and it oozes 90s cinema yeah i mean this movie really like i would say one of the only real flaws it has is that it's not this better thing that came later <laughs> it it can't do anything about the fact that it is not a musical the musical didn't even exist when this movie came out i think that's why you kind of have to separate the two because they are so different yeah 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 but like the fact that we are talking about them both right now i just want you all to know that i prefer the musical i think yes yeah <laughs> But, like, I'm happy with all of this. I would probably rate both of these movies higher than you would. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think it's too tough for me to compare both of them on the same judging level, I guess. Um, I will say it made me curious to see how much of it was in the book and how much the musical took from the original movie or if it took things that were from the book. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, I'd be curious yeah. about that. I know I have the book somewhere in a box in my closet that I'll have to dig up. But also, I know that Mara Wilson put out an autobiography where I guess she talks about, like, being a child actress. I don't know the specifics, but I know I've heard stories that, like, this was one of the best sets that she'd been on. I don't know if it was, like, a family member was battling cancer or something, but, like, Danny DeVito and... Rhea Perlman were like a second set of parents for her. And they were so supportive and kind to her, even though they played such shitheads in the movie. When you say a family member was battling cancer, is that something you know or is it something you're guessing? I know Mara Wilson was having a tough time. I think it was because I think maybe her mom was battling some kind of illness. Okay, so the only reason I even ask is because this movie, the, the credits of this movie say for Susie Wilson. Oh, and it makes me wonder, like, does she maybe. pass away or is that, you know what I mean? Is that a that relative of hers or something? So I, I don't think I'll get to reading her autobiography, but I would like to browse it or flip through it at some point. Just to kind you of get own it. it. No, I don't have it. I have Audible. You do have Audible? Bitch. How many times have I fucking told you I have Audible and oh I my have God. all those credits you can use? Tell me all about Audible. Is it is it reliable and handy and cheap? No. Oh, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Is leading this to be our our sponsorship for no, today's I know. episode. No, I know. And uh, we uh, Amazon hasn't sent us shit money. So until then, I do not like Audible, but I do use Audible. And uh, I love it. And it's worth the $15 a month. And I have credits that you can use if you want nice. to audio this book. Audio the book. Audio the book. If you want to audio the book, I got you. <laughs> well, maybe I will use one of your credits for that book and listen to it by the time we research this. But yeah, I want to look into that. I want to see her experience on this set because I know that she, you know, really loved 
being on set and that Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman were very, very kind to her. And that just makes my heart happy. I love yeah, that so I mean, they just seem like really dope people. Yeah, I'm a big Cheers fan, so Rhea Perlman is just someone that I'm in love with. She's always been incredible to me. Like, I mean, <laughs> to me, she's always been incredible. Not like yeah. we, she doesn't treat me well because you know we go way back. They go way back. Oh, something I did see, and that's kind of take three ish. Well, it's definitely take three ish, but I still saw it. Is because I was looking up. I wanted to see the name of the person that played trunchbull in this movie and i saw it was like pam ferris or something like yes that. that's it that's okay. absolutely it yep so i then i on the wikipedia page it said like pam ferris in the 1996 and then birdie something in the musical and like the 2011 musical or something i don't know what what year the musical came out i clicked it right and that actor won an olivier award a lawrence olivier award for playing trunchbull that's like a British Tony. Really? Yeah. Nice. So I thought that was neat. That came to me, so I wanted to share it before I forgot. Nice. Unrelated before we cut to take three, go subscribe to my Letterboxd. Boy, did I put out some bangers this weekend. Well, just wait for an episode that we talk about those movies. He'll just read them out to you. Yeah, but if you want, uh, this is considered a Patreon. If you want like access beforehand... Go subscribe. And yeah, and then Venmo me $10 a month. A diagnosis of cancer can be alienating. Cancer in a testicle as a young man can be devastating. A testicle is removed, cancer treatments are discussed, and concepts of masculinity and mortality are challenged in ways you never thought possible. I'm Stephen Crocker, a testicular cancer survivor and board member with the Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. It Takes Balls is a podcast by and for testicular cancer survivors, patients, and their loved ones. Listen as survivors and medical providers share their stories and give personal insights into facing and treating a testicular cancer diagnosis. Everyone's journey is unique and equally important. Early detection of testicular cancer saves lives. I hope you're ready because It Takes Balls. Take three. So tonight I went over my sister's house with several of my family members and we watched that movie 80 for Brady. Oh, <laughs> uh, with the four, the four women. Yeah. Yeah. How was it? I really liked it. Like, okay. So I, <laughs> not only am I not really a huge football person anymore, but I certainly was never a huge Patriots person. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really care that much for Tom Brady. This movie's not really about him, obviously. Like it's much more to do with the four main characters. It's Jane Fonda, uh, Lily Tomlin, Rita Marino, and Sally Field. And obviously they're all fucking incredible. I forgot what movie we're doing. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. But you know what is funny is I really did more research on the musical one. Well, you seem to like that one better, so I'm I'm not surprised. And I think it works out because I didn't do a lick of research on the newest one. All of mine is on the old one. So Well, good. I think it works out. Battle of the Matildas. Did you do the numbers for both by chance? Yes. So what's interesting about this is that these two films are sort of inverses of each other when it comes to their release. For the 1996 movie, I couldn't find any information on an overseas release of the movie in theaters before like 
2020. For the first one? Yeah. In other words, I don't have an international box office number. The movie's reported worldwide gross is $33.5 million, and that's all from the domestic box office. Hmm. However, the 2022 film was on Netflix. So obviously, I don't have a number for the money it made in the U.S. box office because it was on Netflix and it you know, wasn't released at least widely theatrically in, in America. However, it did release theatrically overseas and it came in right at $33.5 million. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. The fact that this one was on Netflix and it was pretty well regarded it probably drove considerable traffic to Netflix at the time. I'm sure they got a good bang for their buck. Unlike the original, where the movie cost $36 million and it made 33.5. But when you think about like how iconic that movie is, I'm sure that like on streaming and the in the ancillary market, which is just everything but the th- theatrical release when it comes to like, you know, watching it on tape or DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, I'm sure that it has made money. To some degree. I just, they don't report those kinds of numbers like that. But yeah, I mean, what's cool about both of these movies is they have almost identical Rotten Tomato scores as well. Uh, 1996 has a 91% and 2022 has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Is that like average score critics and audience? No, but here, okay, so this is funny. The first Matilda, 1996, has a 73% Rotten Tomatoes audience score. Right. Mm -hmm. And the musical has a 74%. So literally 1% better on both of them. (laughs) Oh my God. So bam. Like I said, my research is all on the first one. I didn't do any research on the second one and it is kind of scrambled and I, we're just going to go with it. It's we're jumping right in season premiere and, uh, Hey, we're at computers. Yeah, that's true. We are at our desks. Like, that's as much as you can expect from us this season, okay? Yes, indeed. Sometimes we literally won't even be awake. (laughs) Uh, I think we ended, or close to the end of of take two, we talked about confirming whether or not Mara Wilson's mother passed. And uh, sadly, it is confirmed that she did pass away. She was battling cancer uh, during the filming of Matilda, and that's why the movie was dedicated to her. Uh, and she actually died a few months before the movie premiere. I think the movie premiered in August and she had died in April. But Danny DeVito was able to get her like an advanced copy that she could watch before she passed away. Oh, so, that's good. Um, yeah, this is going to be a lot of Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman praise because they just seem like badass fucking awesome people. The fact that they just like took Mara under their wing and made sure that she was comfortable the whole time and was so understanding throughout the whole process. And this really difficult transition that this, I don't know, how old was she? 12? I, I don't, I probably should have figured that out beforehand, but you know, losing her mother to cancer. And that's awful, obviously. A little bit more about Mara. She's the second youngest of five children. And I forgot about this, but did you know that Ben Shapiro is her cousin? Ew. You know that? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, they are like not on speaking terms, obviously, because they are both on very opposite ends of the political spectrum. Uh, and that, that doesn't surprise me. Politics, tearing families apart. <laughs> yeah. So Mara has been, uh, in and out of movies and Broadway, uh, fun fact, she auditioned for the parent trap, but obviously that role went to Lindsay Lohan, but how interesting would that be if 
she was oh fuck hattie and oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck hattie what's, what's the other one's name isn't it hattie am i wrong hallie goodness gracious oh no i'm so sorry it, it, no it is hallie hallie and what else come on I, i'm not i'm not gonna know this what letters does it start with a it's not like Allie, is it <laughs> hallie and Allie. No, it's Annie. Oh, yeah, okay. I am Annie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, her last film was Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Do you happen to remember that movie? It's a Thomas the Train Engine movie, but it's got Alec Baldwin in it. I never was into Thomas the Train Tank. Is it the Train Engine? Maybe, maybe it's the Tank Engine. I don't know. But I Tank Engine. Okay, yes, Tank Engine. I was like that doesn't sound right. Tank Engine. <laughs> <The> train Engine. <laughs> I really wasn't either. And as soon as I read that, I kind of like glossed over it. I added it to my notes, but then I looked more into it. I was like, wait a second. I did watch this movie. And then I watched the trailer and the nostalgia hit me so hard. I was like, oh my God, I remember this movie. It was crazy. I even looked it up on YouTube. It's all on YouTube in like three minute clips. It's split up like that. Did you watch the entire thing? I skimmed it. I stopped shortly after I realized that it was a very, very bad movie. So, but yeah, it was a nice little nostalgia trip, but that was her last movie. She was offered a script for Donnie Darko, but she did decline it. She did go on to do more stage stuff, but she ultimately, I think, became a writer. I think that was her main job for a while. And since then, she's done some cameo and voice work. I don't know if you're familiar with this podcast, but I think it's a very popular, I don't want to say nerdy because that sounds mean, but you know, it's, I say that in a loving way. It's like a nerdy podcast. Welcome to Night Vale. Do you ever oh, yeah. have you heard of Night Vale? She's apparently a reoccurring character in that, and I did not realize that. That's cool. Uh, do you remember the Broad City episode where they recreated the Mrs. Doubtfire dinner? Do you remember that? It was when Abby was like on a date with Trey, and she didn't want Alana to know, but it was Alana's family's like celebration dinner, so she had to go back and forth between the tables. Yes! Yes! Yeah. Mara Wilson was one of the waitresses in that episode, which is fucking amazing. Uh. I'm not surprised that that happened, but it made me so happy that it did. And if you haven't seen that, it's a great episode. It's a great show, and you should watch it. I'm surprised. Well, we probably did and just have forgotten. I'm sure we would have noticed her. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, and yeah, I. I, I mean, she looks the exact fucking same as she did then. Like yeah. that little girl, just she just grew taller. She has the same face. <laughs> I mean, she's older than me, so when I say little girl, like she was a little girl, and now she's an adult. <laughs> but yeah. She apparently has done voices for BoJack Horseman and Big Hero 6 as well. She's written, I think, at least one or two memoirs. Uh, and she's a very big advocate for like child actors and their treatment in Hollywood and making sure that that's fair and talking about it and opening the conversation. She spoke out a lot about it, which is awesome. And she is just overall a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful human being. And I love her two bits. That makes me very happy that you do. Yeah, that's my little rant on uh, Mara Wilson. She's great. Thinking about like her and the roles that she had. Like, obviously, I love Matilda, but I have seen Miss Doubtfire four hundred million times, <laughs> and yeah, I just she's a cute. Yeah, in that she's one. so oh. adorable in that movie. Oh, Fucking adorable. That's a, that's a good one. Precious. Oh, okay. So I have something cool about Mara Wilson. So she was actually. Uh, slated to do a cameo in the musical, but she turned it down because she didn't want to fly all the way out to England 
for just like a day of shooting. Oh, I thought you meant the Broadway production. Oh yeah, no, sorry, the musical movie. Oh, that would have been awesome to see her as a cameo in the movie. Pam Ferris also got offered a cameo, <gasps> but she it was like scheduling conflicts. That's infuriating. Yeah, Pam Ferris played uh, Mrs. Trunchbull in the 1996 movie. I personally would have paid for those tickets to make that happen. I'm I'm upset that that didn't. I like when they do that kind of thing. It just even them reaching out to her makes me feel better about the fact that like they remade the property. I mean, I know it was a musical and they're really basing it on that. And it's very different. But the fact that like they reached out to the stars of the original and yeah wanted them to be a part of that it's very respectful yeah like okay i have not watched wednesday but the fact that christina ricci's in that is so fucking cool to me like that makes me feel yeah good about the property like obviously there are a ton of reasons why i feel great about that i'm sure it's lovely it's just probably not for me but i'm surprised that jenna ortega isn't enough of a draw for you to watch that show even if it's shitty i feel well, like well i mean we tr- we tried it remember and i wasn't super thrilled with it either i like it when jenna ortega's getting chased around by ghostface <laughs> fuck yes i love her i just love scream ah okay sorry so i'm just going to talk a little bit about the film's director so i'm not like super well versed in broadway to movie adaptations i don't have like a ton of that knowledge in my head but this reminded me of like what they did with rent where (laughs) they took a bunch of the cast of rent and they just let them be in the movie yeah i thought that was really fucking cool did they do that for this movie okay so no but the guy that (laughs) (laughs) so it's nothing like no it's kind of like it (laughs) so the guy that directed the the original uh musical uh, Matthew Warchus, Warchus. That's that's how it's uh, says it's pronounced. Also directed the movie. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, nice. Uh, and he actually, uh, when he directed the musical, he won a Lawrence Olivier Award. Which I'm going to say that a couple of times. The Lawrence Olivier Award is like a British Tony. Okay. Yeah, he won it for best directing. And then the film's writer, who's Dennis Kelly, he also wrote the stage play. Nice. Okay. And cool. he uh, won an Olivier Award and a Tony. Awesome. Like, it makes sense that they would carry over. They did really well. Like, I understand why you couldn't use the original Matilda, because that play was like 10 plus years ago now. So, hey, I wanted to ask you a question, and I didn't look it uh-huh. up, but I figured you would know it. Uh-oh. That's pressure. You told me at one point... That the girl, Millie Shapiro. Yes. Was she in this musical? She was not in, I don't think she was in the movie, but no, she no, no, was yeah. cast as, she was cast as Matilda on Broadway. I don't think she was the original. I could be wrong about that, actually. So, but like, she played Matilda sometime on, on Broadway. That's cool. It's probably something I should have researched, but I just was curious. It says that Millie Shapiro played Matilda in 2013 on Broadway, which makes me think that maybe she was the original Matilda when they brought it to Broadway from the West End. Maybe that's what it was. But yes, she, yeah, she absolutely was. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, regardless, if at some point she played Matilda, that's all I was curious about. That's very cool. And I like Melanie Shapiro and you guys should all watch Hereditary and listen to our Hereditary episode, which is like from season one or some shit. Very, very different vibes from this movie but um still a fun time yeah oh my god Uh, yeah i don't know (laughs) this is all over the place 
Okay, now I interrupted what I was saying just to ask you that question. What was I talking about? Shit. Oh, okay. The director and the writer, that makes sense. It's good, right? But like, what's the best part of the musical? The fun we had along the way. No, come on. Come on. What do we talk about? <laughs> How it was so fucking awesome. Oh, the choreography. The right? choreography. Ellen Kane, the choreographer from the play, the stage musical, they brought him, brought her over. Yeah, she was an. They call it associate choreographer, so it makes me think maybe she wasn't the only one. It's hard to find that kind of information. I was very confused as to where to even go for credits and stuff like that when it comes to plays. There probably is some place that I'm just ignorant to, but. Yeah, but I'm sure also the cast and crew shifts so much when it comes to musicals. No, and, that makes sense. And stage yeah. productions that there's probably not like a concrete set. However, with these people that came right from the stage production into the movie, I'm a little upset that they decided to not make Trunchbull on the stage musical. That role is a man. And I think it does really, really well as a man. And I'm surprised that they didn't bring that over to the the film and that that was my only disappointment with the film was that emma thompson i just didn't i didn't like her as trunchbull and i'm surprised i'm surprised to learn that the crew and everyone who built this moved to the movie i'm of two minds of it right i do think emma thompson did a good job i understand why they used a woman because they used a woman in the original movie but i also understand that in the musical it's been played by a man. I, I found some other people that were going to play this this role, uh, originally slated to play him. Really? So there is a guy and a girl at some point aligned to play this role. And I don't, like it, it did not say how either of them fell through. Well, okay. So I guess the first one it does. Anne Hathaway. Ooh, I don't like that at all. I, I know, right? But Apparently, with the COVID restrictions and all of that, it, she kind of, I think, wound up backing out just because it was it was touch and go for a while. She also already played a Roald Dahl villain. Exactly. And that's what's so funny. She was in The Witches. Yeah. The other person I think would have been genius. I cannot wait to hear this. Like It would have been so interesting to see this person play it. And they actually have like an interesting connection. Ray Fiennes. The men you got? Voldemort? Voldemort. Wow. Yeah. I could get behind that. And I, I mean, they were both ugh. in Harry Potter. I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. And you know what's funny? It's, so was Pam Ferris. Pam Ferris. Yeah, yeah. All that three of, of my... those people are in Azkaban. Damn. Damn. But I, it just, I thought that was interesting. Like, I have no idea where they were like, oh, actually, let's go with a woman instead of Ray Fiennes. Like, honestly, though. If, if Anne Hathaway was in the running for this, Emma Thompson would be my second choice after Rafe Fine, Ray Fines, Ralph, Rafe. Rafe. I think it's Rafe. Rafe. I cannot. I don't want Anne Hathaway anywhere near this. <laughs> that that made me nervous. Yeah, I don't think that would have worked either. I didn't dislike her in The Witches, though. I mean, I didn't like that movie, no. but I thought she was good in it. I think she did a great job in it. Yeah, she was horrifying, which is the only thing I wanted from that movie. But like... She fits that character. Like the Trunchbull is a beast. <laughs> and it's just, I don't think. Yeah. Very weird decision. And I can't imagine the fat suit that they would have had to have put on her. God, I know. Ugh. Okay. 
I don't even really want to go over it, but like clearly there are people in fat suits in this movie that we don't like support that. Like that's so fucking unnecessary. I understand that like that Trunchbull needs to be like this hulking individual. Get a hulking individual, male or female, just get someone to do that. Bruce, like I, I don't see why the kid needed to even be fat. Like there was no like, yeah, like he eats cake, but like everybody loves cake. He could have just really liked cake. Like I don't. I don't, I just feel like making him this kid in a fat suit, like they wouldn't even hire like a fat kid to do it. I I think like it makes, it makes sense for the character for him to be a big kid, but what they did wrong was they just padded his stomach and nothing else. So he's like a circle with twigs for limbs. It is weird. And it like, it just looked so goofy. They just should have either hired a fat kid or just let that kid be Bruce. If Bruce is only characteristic is that he's a fat kid like that's stupid to me like they're like make him make a better character and i think that actor did a really good job like it sucks he was fucking adorable yeah Yeah. it was great but what is a huge stain on that is the fact that he's like so obviously wearing a fat suit i don't know like friends is obviously you I probably said this on here before is my favorite television show (laughs) and Monica wears a fat suit in it. And I have heard so many people just like rip that show to shreds for it. And that show went off the air almost 20 years ago. And it's like, we should know better by now. Right. (laughs) You'd think, but I mean, this movie came out last year. Like I do not want to disparage the two actors that were in fat suits because they both, I think did a fantastic job. The people that made those decisions, I just think should have made different ones, but we're not there yet. (laughs) Apparently not. That's okay. This film did get nominated for two BAFTAs, which are what? British Oscars. Bam. I'm so good at this. Good job. So So it got nominated for best British film of the year. Uh, and it lost to the Banshees of Inisherin. Mm, yeah, okay. And then it got nominated for Best Makeup and Hair, and it lost to Elvis. But it was still, like, in good company. I mean, like, the films that it got nominated alongside of were in the Oscar race. And for this movie to be mentioned anywhere alongside them, that's pretty cool. I mean, it, this is a... This movie, I think, is way better than it has any business being. But so is the original. <laughs> I yeah. do think that both of these movies have like such a charming story, have wonderful actors in them. And I feel like you can see that the people making both of them cared a lot about the product. Yeah. It feels that way. So, yeah. Also, hold on. It seemed like I was like summing up my thoughts, but um, but wait, <laughs> I have another little thing I need to talk about. Okay, so because I was going to talk about how popular this musical was, it was extremely popular. Like it, it was very celebrated. It won seven Laurence Olivier Awards, which is what uh, the uh, the uh, British Tony. Good job, British equivalent of a Tony. Yeah. And so it won Best Actor in a Musical, and I believe I talked about that in, like, take two because I looked it up just because I was curious. Bertie Carvel, who is um, who plays Trunchbull, uh, it won Best Actress in a Musical, uh, which there are a bunch of people listed, and I guess they're all of the people that played Matilda. <laughs> um, mm. And then it also 
like won best director, choreographer, set design, and best sound design. Nice. Yeah. Like it makes me want to actually see the musical on a stage, you know? Yeah. It was good. It was a really good musical. Funny story, when I left the theater after seeing it myself, the actress that played Matilda was with her mom. Somehow they got in front of me and were walking down the same street. And she was just on her scooter in her normal clothes with her mom right next to her. And she was just like riding on home on her little scooter. And it was adorable. That is too Um, funny. I mean, I guess everybody's got to get home somehow, right? They do. Not everybody rides in limos home. But like, (laughs) that's really cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have some things you may not have known, some behind the scenes stuff, as I always like to do. There were several times in this movie where body casts had to be made for the characters. Times included when Amanda Thripp had to go flying through the air by her pigtails. She needed a, uh, a body cast for that so that she could hang from wires and such. And I actually saw an interview later on where she was like, someone asked her if she was scared to film that. And she was like, I got to fly. Like how many kids can say that they were <laughs> able to do that? I had such a blast and that just warmed my heart. I thought that was amazing. And then they also had to make a body cast for Matilda when she had that scene where she was like propping herself up at the top of the table. Do you remember that when she's in Trunchbull's house? Oh, yeah. So lots of mechanics going into this movie, which I guess makes sense. It's about a telekinetic child. So I don't remember if you remember her doll. She had like a doll that she carried around the movie and DeVito had this idea. He went to Mara and was like, it would kind of make more sense if you designed the doll since you're Matilda so that when you're, you know, moving around in the scenes with her, you also feel a connection to this doll. And sure enough, she made a drawing of this doll on a piece of paper sent it to the props or costume department or whatever, and props built this doll for her. Aww. Um, which, uh, just amazing. Warms my heart. The iconic scene in the living room when she's using her powers and making things flying around, apparently Mara Wilson claimed that she was so nervous to dance during filming. She, she claimed she was a terrible dancer. She was really, really afraid to do it that day. So Danny DeVito was like, all right, we're setting rules today. Everyone has to dance. Everyone on set has to dance during this scene. And sure enough, everyone did. I can't say enough about how sweet he was to her. And apparently it wasn't to Itty Bitty Pretty One. It was to Harry Belafonte's song, Matilda. Uh, like he has a song called Matilda. Yeah, yeah. And he danced to that that day for, for that scene. Which is interesting because Harry Belafonte, if you didn't know, also sang the Deo song and uh-huh. the Jump in Line song from Beetlejuice. Iconic songs from from those. So if you don't know who Harry Belafonte is and you can hear those songs in your head, that's sort of like the vibe that, that she was dancing to in that scene. But speaking of Tim Burton, this is uh, not the only connection to, to Tim Burton it has because Paul Rubens is in this movie who worked with Danny DeVito in, I don't know which Batman movie, but they were in a Batman movie together, one of Tim Burton's Batman movies. So Batman Returns. Sure, I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> the painting of Magnus in Trunchbull's house, the one that like Matilda makes fly at some point, uh, it's a real-life portrait of Roald Dahl. Oh, wow. I don't know if you knew that little Easter egg, but... Yep. Cool. To do a lot of this research, I kind of forgot that this happened. But do you remember it was like a few years ago where they did a Matilda reunion where they brought back all of the cast and had like a tea party lunch brunch thing? Do you remember that? Was it one of those like 2020 reunions where it was all through Skype? Or? No, no, they were all in person. It was like a real life thing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what year it was. You don't remember that? Uh-uh. That's I feel cool. like if you if you saw some clips, you you would see it. But I remember seeing clips of it. And what they did was they like 
reenacted scenes from the movie like as adults at this tea party and i remember seeing these in clips i was like this is really awkward i like it really made me uncomfortable to be honest and i'd forgotten about it until this research i had to it resurfaced and i watched the whole thing and it was like just as awkward as, as i remembered like they read they redid the the bruce scene and it, it, it was just really kind of strange and i'm i'm curious i actually kind of want to make you watch it at some point so that i feel validated in feeling so awkward about it i'll link it i'll link it in the description oh yeah i would definitely watch that the thing is like it was it was sort of a back and forth between interviewing the actors and actresses that were in this movie they're all grown up now it was like 25 years later yeah. But in between those interviews, Danny DeVito was like, I want to do something special and we're going to recreate like we can do it sitting, but we're going to recreate some of the scenes from this movie. And it was those parts that I was like, this is not fun to watch. This is really awkward. These people are adults like table reads, <laughs> not even like, no, <laughs> it wasn't. I, I'm just going to link it. You okay. have to watch it. I it made me uncomfortable, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, it was like the interview parts were really, really sweet. They interviewed Lavender. They interviewed um, the actress that played Matilda before it was Mara Wilson, like when she was littler. Oh, and yeah, first yeah, going yeah. to the library and mm -hmm. stuff. And it was really interesting to get insight from sort of this side characters, quote unquote. And, and Beth Davids was on it. She was there. Yeah, it was really, really sweet for the most part. That's about it for the behind the scenes stuff. I have a few like Raul Dahl I have like a raw doll rabbit hole that I went down. If you're interested in hearing it. Sure. I'm pretty sure we covered this in our Willy Wonka take that raw doll was a pretty shitty person. He was pretty racist. He was pretty openly anti-Semitic as well. So that wasn't a surprise, but apparently Matilda was the last book that he wrote. It was the last one that he wrote before he died. And in the original draft of it, Matilda was written as a villain who was still a genius, but would like, she would use her powers for evil. I think she would like rig horse races or something. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really, it was much, much different than, uh, than what it became. And thinking about it, like, I don't know if this is the same for you, but like thinking about Matilda as a name for a villain, I feel like, doesn't that almost fit better? Do you feel the same way? 100%. Yes, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. That's funny. Yeah, it sounds like a Disney villain. Yeah, right, right. I'm glad it became what it became because obviously that name is now, you know, famous for something that's very sweet and kind. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. And cool and badass. Yeah, fuck yeah. So this kind of took me down a, a weird rabbit hole, but this is one of the first, but not the only story that kind of plays off of this idea of child trauma turns child into superhero kind of thing. It happened with Carrie. It happened with um, Eleven from Stranger Things. So there's this like, it's not the first and obviously it won't be the last, but there is a field of study. I don't know if you knew this. This was new to me called parapsychology. Like it's a real branch of psychology that people are like funding and researching. And it studies like psychic phenomena and paranormal claims and experiences. So it studies like, I don't want to say ghosts, but like, I think it, it gave a list of like seven or eight different branches of this branch, which is like uh, telepathy, uh, precognition, clairvoyance, and psychokinesis was one of them. So like trying to make scientific sense out of phenomena that happen that we would see in movies like this. And we would just be like, oh, okay, she's telekinetic. Like, 
And we would believe it because it's not out of the realm of possibility in a movie, but like in yeah. <laughs> reality, like it has to make some sort of scientific sense first. Right. And I'll, I'll kind of get into how it ebbs and flows throughout history, because obviously, you know, a lot of people treat it as pseudoscience and don't really take it very seriously. But it is like, it's just interesting that, that there is a trope out there where it's like when a child becomes so overly stressed and they just can't handle the trauma that's happening to them, it, it manifests itself in this paranormal way, I guess. And in all three instances, in Carrie, Matilda, and Eleven from Stranger Things, like, their powers are the strongest when they're feeling the strongest. And, you know, when they are actually happy, then their powers kind of wane or, you know, aren't aren't as strong kind of thing. I feel like there's so much more here to unpack. Like there's a reason why there's a trope here. I don't think I have the capacity to go into that right now, but it is something interesting to think about. Definitely. Because like there are varying degrees of like, because one is a horror movie, one is like a horror themed television show, and one is a more of like a family movie. You know, there are varying degrees of how serious things can get. But, like, Carrie kills, like, a whole bunch of people. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a mass murder. And I guess, like, spoilers for Carrie. But tying them together because they are all super-powered individuals all going through trauma. I'd never really thought of it like that. That's that's cool. Like, I yeah, I don't know. I never grouped them together. Someday, maybe I'll dive deeper into this because it's like, why are they children and why are they female? Like, I would love to maybe see if there are other examples of this that are in media. I think in all three cases, by the end of it, we're kind of like, even though, again, Carrie's a horror movie, we're kind of like rooting <laughs> for that person, right? Oh, of course we are. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, I mean, at the end, they are somewhat underdog exactly you know obviously it's an underdog story right right i just hope that somewhere out there there's a college essay that sort of explores this trope and what it means and someday i would love to read it if it does exist totally um but did you did you happen i feel like it was fairly recently only because stranger things was fairly recent but someone asked mara wilson or maybe it was tweeted and caught the attention of mara wilson that was like who would win in a fight matilda or 11 from stranger things and mara wilson replied something like they wouldn't fight they would find a way to work together and like beat the bad guy or something and i was like Aww. obviously yes that's the right answer of course it is uh, to kind of round out this uh, talk of parapsychology, it started in the mid-1800s. There's a resurgence of it in the United States in the 1970s and 80s. Most of the time, the studies or laboratories, they closed down because for somewhat obvious reasons, a lot of the research was met with a lot of dead ends and skeptics in the field kind of had it all shut down. But as of today, I thought this was really interesting. As of today, there are two universities in the United States that have actual parapsychology laboratories. I think a lot of the research has migrated to Europe now. So I think there's a lot more in Europe, but it's still like a real field that is being researched today, which I think is, it would be interesting to see what kind of research is coming out of that. I would, I would be curious to know, even if they are dead ends and like don't really make sense. I think that's cool. I don't know. Yeah, I want to believe that there are people with like super cool powers and shit out there. Or at least like there's something that's sort of past science that is also at work. Like I would I would love and maybe that's the point of it is to not be studied or or found out. I don't know. But uh, I, th I thought that was interesting. I mean, yeah, we're probably never going to get a definitive answer on any of it. But like, it's cool that people are talking about it. Yeah. Least, even if it's not very many people, but it's out there. So 
Very cool. We love our little um, telekinetic sister, I guess. We grew up with with Matilda, and um, <laughs> we all love her very much. I didn't have a sister, but I had Matilda. Yeah, it was, was Matilda your sister? <laughs> I had an actual sister, so I don't really feel like Matilda's my sister, but... Does your sister move things with her mind? Yes, she does. Hey everyone, it's Nick. Thank you all so very much for listening to episode 61, our season 5 premiere. Can't believe it's already season 5. We're so happy to be back. We had so much fun recording this, and I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as well. So yeah, thank you again for your time and your patience, and uh, we will have something for you very soon. Probably. Most likely. Uh, You know what, honestly, we'll just play it by ear.